It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, host of the Boiling Point Podcast. My co-host, Dave Vale, and I will bring you thoughtful discussions with leaders who are positively impacting our world. This is The Boiling Point, where leadership and inspiration meet. Here we are. Hi, Dave. Emily. What is new and exciting with you? We always talk about what's new and exciting with me. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm wearing a, a ball cap today because I was going to get uh, my 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 hair done. And that's, you know, when I say that, I mean, my head shaved on Saturday, but there was a big storm that hit us and uh, we hunkered down and um, it was kind of a nice chance to just, you know, kind of be together as a family. So mm. it was, uh, you know, it kind of forced get everything cleaned up around the yard and all that kind of stuff. And, and th- thankfully it wasn't uh, too bad for us. Uh, I have some friends, uh, you know, in common that, you know, still without power and stuff in Halifax. And, you know, so we're pretty fortunate, but that's kind of top of mind for me is, um, and, and, you know, just the small, um, little hurdle or I didn't get to go to the barber and get my head shaved, you know? Uh, so, so that's, you know, when you ask me what's going on, that's going on. But outside of that, I mean, man, you got, we're back in the full swing of things, kids in school, mm-hmm. you know, things happening, um and we're doing we're doing interviews which is always fun and we got um a really cool guest lined up don't we we do yeah so kurt is here today kurt welcome to the boiling point podcast hello everybody i'm kurt goddard i'm uh, the executive director of legal and public affairs at um uh, organization called inclusion canada so it's a national um, non-profit human rights organization that works on behalf of persons with intellectual disabilities and their families. And a lot of our work is with the federal government, a little bit at the international level, and we are part of a, a global federation, but a provincial federation. So you may have heard of our provincial affiliates like Inclusion New Brunswick or mm-hmm. a Community Living Ontario. Um, I live here in Fredericton, uh, I'm a licensed lawyer in Ontario, so I work remotely. A lot of our organization is remote, and I have been with in the disability movement for over a decade in various forms. Um, I left to do some legal training, and I uh, um, that's that's really the professional piece of me right now. So, uh, unless I've missed something, but what's so the, what's the unprofessional piece? Uh, there's some. There's a lot of. Un- I like to trail run. There's a lot of unprofessional pieces. I was trying not to bring them up on this interview, but um, yeah, uh, that's that's really there. You go. Yeah, I love it. And yes, yeah, so uh, as you all now know, K- uh, Kurt and I met on the trails through the trail running community, and I'm always have like it's like I have so many questions for you, and it's either like I send you my like Q and A interview just because I want to get to know you more, or I bring you on the boiling point so everyone can know what it is that you do because I am very fascinated by what you do and. You and Dave have already uh, made that connection through the uh, through the the legal affairs, and, and Dave's father is a 
retired judge. He has been on the podcast and uh, yeah, I thought, I felt, felt that this is, would be a really great connection. Yeah. So thanks for coming on here. Thanks for having me. And, and Dave, you, you didn't follow in your father's footsteps. You've no, I, and... Kurt, I, I saw how hard he was working and the hours and hours he was putting in. And my brother followed in his footsteps, became a lawyer um, and was articling and then was one of the big firms on Bay Street and then said, the hell with this. <laughs> this, is my, this, is a, this is tough. Um, yeah. and, and all respect to lawyers, but just the business model is really tricky. Um, but having said that, we do. I have a coaching business. Uh, Emily and I work together in vision coaching and, um, and it, it just connects with lawyers. But I remember getting out of the, the executive coaching course um, in at Royal Roads University. And I was like, I was talking to my father who Emily's met, who's been on the podcast I said, dad, um, you know, who could really benefit from coaching? I said lawyers. And he said, yeah. no lawyer would hire a coach. Now this is going back 20 years almost. Right. Um, and, and as a result, I started saying, well, I don't, I disagree. I kind of let, let's test this out. Right. More, more out of frustration that he would just dismiss it so easily. And, uh, and then, uh, ironically, um, you know, and I, I guess, you know, kind of shout out to him, we started working with tons of lawyers and, uh, yeah. and in fact, some, one of my, one of my very good friends who you, I'm sure, you know, um, in this part of the world, Kelly Van Buskirk. Oh uh, yeah. 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 He's awesome. He is amazing. He's yeah. an amazing human being. And uh, and he very openly talks about being kind of the first client. And I knew if I could if I could oh. give him a good experience, you know, or he could have a good experience being coached, that they would just open the doors wide open. And it has. And and Kelly will invite us to speak to, you know, he he's he teaches law at UMB. I mean, he's very prolific, right? He's everywhere. Um, I expected that you probably would know each other. But my Kurt, my question for you is. You talked about the disability movement and being involved in it for a decade, and I'm just curious, like, what what was the um, what are the origin story there? Like, what how did that all happen? Yeah, totally. Um, oh, I'm even more nervous. If, if Kelly Van Buskirk is watching this, I got to be. Uh, I got to be. <laughs> oh, he is, for, he's he a, is for sure. He's that's been a, a past, smart individual. He, he's been uh, a past guest. He's been a past guest, and um, great. But uh, no, really, I I started. I didn't go straight to law school. That wasn't in the that wasn't really the the dream um, growing up. I have a bit of a bleeding heart and just wanted to to um, help people, like a lot of people. And I ended up um, in St. John. I worked at a middle school in the north end that's now closed on a on a on a crime reduction project. And then from that project, I was hired at the New Brunswick Association for Community Living as a, a manager of family supports. Uh, where we had this little crew of, I think it was four, four of us, um, basically doing advocacy for families and persons with intellectual disabilities all over the province. Um, and there was a particular situation in St. John. I can't go into too many of the details, but there was a young couple who both happened to have intellectual disabilities. And the the government or social development specifically was um, basically taking their kids away from them by solely on the virtue of their disability. And it just, just like, I just couldn't, I was so shocked. I was like, I, I had never, uh, I had never, it just changed my whole worldview that 
that that there's anyways that there's this kind of presumption that these folks are being are were incompetent. This is a terrible word, but uh, it, it was so they're like they're lovely. It, it was just in it. it and the, and the social de- development did give them a chance. And so I got, we got involved in the situation. And um, I it, it came to a point where I needed to find a lawyer. And I couldn't find a lawyer anywhere or, it, or find a lawyer that would really gut the situation and that would work for a low bono or pro bono. Uh, to the point, and this, and this wasn't a, a, a situation that just resolved overnight. Like, I, I believe that family... Um, was involved uh, um, in different types of support for years. Um, and uh, I think it was a positive outcome in the end. But I uh, I left, I eventually left, um, inspired to go to law school, inspired to um, learn more about legal capacity and the exercise of legal capacity. And so if you're unfamiliar with that, that's um, a, a lot of us in Canadian society and around the world take it for granted that the law views us as um, having rights uh, to make decisions uh, about their lives, but there are it's embedded in our law that there's a whole group of people who uh, this is is stripped from by virtue of of their disability. And so uh, that's kind of what propelled me to go to law school is because I couldn't find a lawyer and I just started thinking about the situation and this problem and my brain wouldn't let it go. And um, I eventually made my way back to the disability movement. Um, and I'm here with you today. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. Wow was right. It's interesting. Um, Kurt, on our last episode, um, we had a lady, Nancy, on. And she was just speaking about how, for her, which, which she owns a, a business, that around like seeking opportunity and seeing something that wasn't there and that wasn't okay and taking action to to do something about it and fill that void. And here you are now, how many years ago? And like you are, yeah, that person that like you saw this area that you just knew it sounds like within your heart, within your soul was not okay. And uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, I mean, it, I mean, the problem's not gone. Um, there's issues with legal capacity all over the planet. Um, but there's some neat things going on in Canada and there's some neat things going on in New Brunswick. So uh, I'm still hopeful and it's neat um, to be at this intersection right now. Um, Can you speak to some of those things? Yeah, totally. So uh, it's basically that all people uh, have the right to supports in their decision-making and that's those supports aren't recognized by the law. So this could be somebody who might need uh, a trusted family member or some uh, particular assistant tech to help make a decision. Um, and, and really the core, like a lot of the issues with the law happen in decisions around personal finance, in health, health decisions, uh, banking, finance and property, and things like the, these core areas of our life that people take for granted. So, there have been little movements, and in, in, in we, we, live, we are in a federation, and so all the provinces uh, have different flaws that regulate a lot of this, uh, a lot of these provincial issues, um, thanks to our constitution. And uh, we happened in, in New Brunswick, um, there was a really progressive piece of legislation passed of, in the spring on supported decision making um, 
it is it's not perfect but it, i have a lot of hope for it about and and i'm we're still watching how this is going to unfold how lawyers are going to be trained what this means for um some of the discriminator I talk about discrimination being embedded. So in our legal system, it's kind of we're in a common law system. Dave probably has heard this all so many times before, but um, it's kind of like our actual written laws are the top of an iceberg and everything under the water is the common law. And a lot of that discrimination is under the surface in, in this particular instance in the form of a test called the understand and appreciate test. So the law for a lot of different things will allow you to make a sit decision if you understand and appreciate the consequences of that decision. And for all kinds of different reasons, some people can't meet that test without supports. Mm -hmm. And so in New Brunswick, they've changed the law, which is um, a major advancement, like across the, like this is, this is kind of a, a really, a, a really exciting thing for the, the global community to see what's going on here with this and how it's going to unfold and the materials and everything that's going to be built to make this work here. So, so Kurt, um, actually, you know, there's a couple of things coming, going on in my brain as you're, as I was listening to you. The first was, um, isn't it amazing when you can live in a jurisdiction, like a relatively small place, but you can actually be working towards or with, or, or, or see something happening that can have, um, can make ripples across the globe, you know, like, like it, in other words, you don't have to be in a huge kind of city. I mean, that's pretty cool to hear that this little province in New Brunswick, um, is, has, has actually changed, you know, some, some law that, that actually can support people, you know, around this legal capacity. Yeah, totally. And I'm moving around because I'm trying to practice active listening skills, but I'm getting excited because there's another area so I was I was privileged to be uh, uh, once a year I go down to the United Nations with our organizations to where they have a big conference under the Convention of the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, and this past spring I was in the room watching a, a gentleman from the Commonwealth are like advocate to state of it like global state officials and UN officials about how. Um, there's a, a, a state or a jurisdiction, a province called New Brunswick in, the, in Canada that wow. uh, has allowed persons with, has inclusive educations and, and, and persons with intellectual disabilities can just go to school and not get segregated from um, the time they, they enter the school system and how incredible this was and how it, it needs to be protected. And this is a guy like that's representing a Commonwealth group. And I'm like, oh. I wish people at home could hear this. This is so like, uh, anyways, it was giving me chills. I was like on the side, I'm like, do I say anything? I'm like, uh, I'm from New Brunswick. Anyways, um, at the same time, yeah, I was a little bit worried about it that particular week. There were some challenges on the, on the home front on it, but I didn't want to burst the bubble. But yeah, we on in multiple areas, I feel like we have, we are a precious jewel and we don't realize, at least in terms of, of disability rights sometimes. And there's actual groups and delegations of people that come from Australia and Europe and all over to come and see what we're doing. Uh, that doesn't mean it's perfect, but it means like we've pushed it further than a lot of other um, um, states are across the, the planet. What, what, like, so what is it about the makeup of New Brunswick? Like what would cause that? Is it, uh, uh, you know, having a champion of some sort? I mean, 
Yeah, there's some interesting folks that help push it here. I also think, like, I put this question back to you, like, the size of our province is really interesting. I don't know, it's like a miniature version of, it's just a good place to to test things out and to push things and people know each other, which is good and bad, but I feel like you can, you. it's easier for people to work together and get things done in a smaller jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And we happen to have um, some really great thinkers and advocates and parents and, and self-advocates that happen to reside in New Brunswick that were able to uh, push this further than other places. How long has that been, Kurt, since um, people with disabilities were able to, like being a part of the school system, not being segregated? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I'm I'm not the greatest historian on it, but it hasn't been that long in the history of our province. Um, And I'm afraid to give numbers. What can I say about how long it has been? I will say it's been long enough that what an interesting thing that has happened is that kids are students that go to school now expect it, expect inclusion, mm. which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, which uh, you've, there's a structural change that people know that, that this is the right thing to do and you shouldn't just exclude a segment of the population um, from your world. Like that, when some of that happens, you, you're probably familiar with the concept of social capital and how that, how that is so important to the life course of a person. And when you, push somebody out and exclude them for their whole life. Like mm. you lose friends, you lose opportunity for work, you lose community. Like anyways, I, I think the, the neat thing that has happened is that we at least have a generation of students that, that whether they realize it or not, it's, yeah. it's the norm and that they unknowingly may expect this to be a part of, of life. Yeah, also. absolutely. It, uh, yeah. And um, I have a sister who has Down syndrome and she's 45 and she went through the public school system. But my mom, like when she was first going into school, they wanted to, the school system wanted to send her away to the different school. My mom fought and was like, no, like yeah. put her in the classroom. And she was so high functioning and like reading and writing and like keeping up with all of these kids. And, and what I notice now, and you saying that about like kids and about school systems now is seeing my nieces and my nephews and just seeing them, how, whether someone has an intellectual disability or a physical disability, that everyone is the same. There's nothing, there's nothing different. Like it is so much more just normalized and uh, just seeing people for the people. And that's just such a beautiful thing and incredible that it is like New Brunswick is just kind of leading. So, so uh, if you don't mind me asking was, so your parents had to fight, were they successful in getting her into the system? My mom was, yes. Yeah. Not without Mm -hmm. a lot of challenges, but yeah. Yeah. And like, gosh, 38 years ago now. Um, But yeah. So, so I, this was really, there was a, there's a parent in Bathurst and she's very lovely. Her name is uh, uh, Diane Cormier Northrup. And she shows this picture. She had, um, she has two children with um, uh, intellectual disabilities and she shows, she was able to, one, one child was excluded from the classroom and the other child was included from, from the get go. And she shows their graduation pictures. And it's like, you can see the difference. Like one, her daughter's in the center with everybody around her. And the other one, the son who was excluded, his life is like off to the side. It's just, Mm. yeah, it's just a, anyways, 
I I think we take that for granted here, and it's actually uh, this precious jewel where parents around the world come here and are like, "How did you do it?" And how can we have that? And um, yeah, I think we should be proud of it. I think we need to protect it, and you think we can make it a lot better. And and uh, that's cool to hear that you're a sibling. Yeah, I, I work with a lot of siblings, and I learn a lot from siblings. And there's like this whole sibling movement that I've been learning about over the like last few years. Well, and like you say too, and speaking about the, like the iceberg and there's the, you know, the laws at the top yeah. 10% and I work with clients in, in not-for-profits with, for people with disabilities. And so much of the challenges are around what the legal rights are and yeah. constantly navigating that and the confusion and. Yeah. Yeah. Like how can, how can if your sister wanted to sign a lease, are they going to give her a hard time just because she has a disability? And how can you be there to support her in that? That these are the these are kind of all centered back to legal capacity, and that this kind of like confusing right is the heart of of uh, uh, unlocking a lot of the rights in the the UN Convention on the uh, the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So it's a very important thing, and. And we're at a moment in New Brunswick that we could do this really well and we could really um, push the planet on this issue. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I want to I go back to something you said earlier. I was just kind of curious, and I've had an experience where... <clears throat> you know, something's happened and you, you, the language you use, and I would use the same language is it changes your worldview. Right. And you were describing that earlier, you know, and, and, and it changed it in such a way that inspired you to, it sounds like, you know, kind of the trajectory of your life may have shifted a bit, but like, what was, you know, that worldview and and the adjustment based on that experience of seeing these two, uh, this couple um, discriminated against. Uh, Cause I know for me, how disruptive the, the worldview change can be. Yeah. So I sorry Dave like what what was that change you, like or how Yeah, like no like like well when your worldview changes. Like when something an event happens, something happens and and it and it shifts your view of, you know, like you think the world or at least this is how I interpreted you saying it. Yeah. You kind of see the world in a certain way and then something happens 
and you go, wait a sec, this isn't, I didn't think the world was lined up. Yeah. Like this is completely like what this is formed in my thinking. Like, I can't believe this happens. You know, I, I don't know if that was what happened for you, but I mean, in my experience and, and I'm just curious about just what happened for you, you know, as you, you know, what, at least my interpretation of it is you sit, you saw what you thought the world was uh, through the lens of these people and said, how can this be? And just what that, yeah. you know, what that was experience was like for you. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, t- totally, totally, totally. And, and and honestly, that year was preempted by by some like a significant loss and trauma. And, and so this was it is this whole year was a rupture. Uh, and then you spend time being like, there's also lessons from that kind of rupture in your life. Where you, and when you have a worldview change that you're like, you be you have to learn about patience because a lot of people don't have this worldview and you have to learn about empathy and you're, you're like, oh, no, there's there's a reason why they might not have this particular perspective and you have to be creative on how you're going to advocate and how you're going to change the things that you've, you've uh, woken up to or the view has changed. Totally, Dave, it's, it's not a like, I wish it was just like, oh, great, I had this amazing uh, revelation, now everything's perfect. It's like, no, that's when the lessons start coming. That's when. That's, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. I guess I was kind of curious yeah. about that because yeah. that 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 can be, uh, in my experience, can be profound. And just yeah. when you go, what? Like it doesn't work this way, and I just I just assume that this is the way things are, and then Dude. and then something happens where you go, wait a sec, this doesn't make sense. This isn't right. Do you have any any deep lessons about? When you get the new lens in life, like any any <laughs> insights of what what you should do or not do. Well, what I think you what I'm going to turn that back to what I heard. <laughs> you, but you actually said I'm going. It inspired you to learn more, to change, you know, to shift your career, to get into the work you did. And and to me, if I if I, I think you role model what people should do. Um, and uh, and I, I guess when I was asking you about you know kind of the origin story. I was making an assumption that, you know, something, you know, was like something within your family or whatever, but you saw um, injustice or at least, you know, and, and made a change. And that's, I mean, to me, that's pretty inspiring, you know, to, to, to change the trajectory of your career and that sort of thing. And, um, and do the work you did, uh, you're very, you know, it sounds like it, it supported you really kind of doubling down and committing to something that you felt had, this has to be, we have to change this. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's also like, for me, I've always just followed my curiosities too. I know a lot of people might not necessarily take that, but I've always just followed the path of the curiosities and things have turned out. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you know, not the, anyways, the, the money has shown up and, you know, I've had to shelter over my head from falling these curious. So there's a little bit of that too. Like once I, like my brain encountered this problem was like, I had to follow it. I had to be like, what is this? So there's a little bit of that too. Um, um, yeah. You think that's just innately in you? Like looking back in your life, have you always been that way? Totally. Totally. I am still like that. Like I have to go down the rabbit hole, right? I have to be like, Okay. And I, yeah, you, you follow it. I mean, it can be disruptive too. Um, but I don't know. I generally find like there's a theme and there's a consistent thing and, and you find some focus and you find some passion about, but, uh, yeah, at the beginning you're like, I'm like, what am I doing? 
anyways um yeah look uh, i'm blushing about my curiosity what's going on here no i love uh, it um, like, yeah and it is just that like when we can stay curious about things and curious yeah. about things just a little bit longer where it can lead us yeah absolutely Cause it's like, there's something, I think that, that like that curiosity just like shows that there's something deeper within us and how quickly we can shut that curiosity down. And it's like, you know, I think of like for you and I, and like trail running, it's a like curiosity of like, well, where does that trail go? Or I can <laughs> yeah. run 20 K can yeah. I run 200 K if I can do this, if I can like, and so it's like, if these changes can happen in New Brunswick where else can these yeah. happen on that global level? I felt that actually we were we were uh, trail running in Quebec in this really interesting nature reserve, and I felt that we we were we were going way too slow. The mountain was a lot bigger than what we thought, and I, we had reached. You know, you have to, you should have a good cutoff time or turnaround time when you're hiking and and whatnot. And I just remember the group of people having such a difficult issue with this because it was in their nature to be like oh but like don't we want to see what's next don't we like we had to like really reason it out and be like okay like you know the devil we know let's go back this is a good decision it was like oh this is a dangerous group like we all want to know what's next and we're all too curious about um yeah so uh, i totally understand do you think everybody has that curiosity or no i don't I mean, I, I think I think people, for some reason we we can we can lose it as we you know. And I think it's it's certainly in my opinion is is really I love how president is in children, and then I don't know what happens. But you can you can lose yeah. touch with it almost, right? Like in my own personal experience, and and in the work work we do, Emily and I do in coaching, curiosity is so important because you you know on the surface you you hear something. And you can quickly judge what you're hearing without really understanding. And again, let's go back to the iceberg, you know, like what's underneath that? Where's that coming from? What's that about? You know, all those sorts of things. And it sounds to me like the work you do, you know, is important for you to probably surround yourself with a bunch of people like on that trail run in Quebec where we, what, what is around the next corner? What, you know, because, um, you know, how far can we push this? You know, who can we bring to see this model? And, you know, and I, 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 that's, well, I don't know. Like, I also feel a frustration when I encounter someone who doesn't or, or I perceive not to have it. I'm like, how do I do this play? Like, what do I do? <laughs> What's the secret sauce? And maybe that's, maybe you have some of those tools through all your years of coaching to do that, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, all of those yeah. things that it's like, you know, I believe that like we are born curious because like you said, like you look at children, yeah. they want to know everything. They want to see everything. They want to touch everything. They want to taste everything. Right. And it's and then it's almost like this fear and the self-doubt and all of these worldly things then come and kind of like crush us down a little bit. And that fear of failure and that fear of like, oh, if we go this far and we've got too far and then we turn around and we can't make it like just all of that type of stuff. And but I think that it is something that like, much like confidence, it can be built upon. Yeah. It can be pulled yeah. back in. And, yeah. the, and that is, yeah. yeah, that that is a process, but that it really can get to it to the point that like, you're just like, you're constantly curious. It's like, that's that like yeah. drive, that excitement that like, let's like, let's go, let's go, let's go in everything we do. Cause we're so curious. 
your Kurt, I know that you do some work over in Rwanda with Shout Canada. Can we can we talk about that? Oh, speaking of follow, following curiosities, I do. I'm not. I'm no longer involved, but I did um, years ago. Um, uh, an acquaintance, a pal, he had um, really been inspired by. Um, like uh, the March of Remembrance of Hope, which is kind of like this Holocaust study trip um, across parts of Germany and Poland. And he came back and he's like, he had a Rwandan friend and he's like, I think I could build the equivalent program um, for Rwanda. And he went off and he traveled around Rwanda with his pal and, 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 and started to learn about the country and was like oh yeah there's something here that people need to know about and he came back and he took a few more people and then i said uh i'd like to do that he had a little application process and i put a little application in and off we went just to kind of a motley crew of 10 people to rwanda and just like hired a bus and they had a little bit of so i got to know um the country a little bit. I met my wife who's from Newfoundland on the trip. Oh no. Uh, Just, yeah, she's just anyways, she was, a. um, and then I came back and I was like, uh, I really, uh, I really got out a lot. A lot. This pushed me. I'd love to try to lead this thing, which is really like, there's no money. Like this thing is just, it's just, it was for university students and we'd plan it and we'd be calling Rwanda trying to sound official and get into the UN and get into the presidential palace and things like that. And, uh, I went back and I let it and my wife let it. And then we were on the board. Um, it just became this kind of this neat, um, experience that shaped us and brought us together. And, and, um, and, uh, yeah, just pushed me in terms of like, how do you lead in a foreign place in weird circumstances when everybody's exhausted to do this safely? And then it's kind of risky. Um, so lots of lessons that come out of that. And, uh, speaking of lenses and pr- perspectives of being in rural Rwanda or down on the border with like the DRC and stuff and just seeing, encountering, uh, different ways of life and and how that country has changed and uh, to deal with this like massive uh, societal trauma and and how anyway and, and even like how their justice system dealt with it is so so fascinating so uh, yeah I was involved I did have this really amazing and and the the program lives on it's incredible it's like there is no money it's just people who've had this incredible experience wanting to share it. And are passionate enough to like figure out the logistics every every year and take this risk and go and do it. And so there's still a website, showcanada.ca. If you're it's like young professionals. Um and I think they run it every spring. And uh anyways, pretty neat. It's it also brings you also get the like this network of people who are just as like intensely curious and like wanting adventures. So you kind of get to meet a lot of like really uh fantastic human beings from across Canada. Yeah, love it. Kurt, I love your yeah. passion. And so you speak about all these like exciting things that Inclusion Canada is doing. Is there anything that our listeners should be keeping an eye out for or looking forward to? I think that there is something happening coming up. 
<laughs> totally, yeah. So if if you're curious about our work, so again, um, National Human Rights Organization advocates on behalf of persons with intellectual disabilities and their families. Check our website at inclusioncanada.ca. We have a number of strategic priorities. I've talked about legal capacity. That's that's my area of work, but we work on inclusive education, housing, um, employment. We have a, a flagship program with uh, CASDA, the Canadian Autism Spectrum Society, and it's called the Ready, Willing, and Able program that helps match people with uh, employers. But if you want to learn all about this, we have a, uh, a luncheon, an inspiring inclusion luncheon coming up on November 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, or sorry, 12 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Atlantic. It's very short. It's only 40, 40 minutes long. Uh, it's virtual. You can find out, there'll be lots of stuff coming out on our socials, or you can send me, send me a note um, at kgoddard.inclusioncanada.ca and I can get you the information. Um, yeah, we'd love to see people out there if they want to learn more about our work. And, and, and it, it kind of showcases uh, the actual stories, the actual testimony of people who've been uh, involved in, with our, our work on the ground. Yeah, wonderful. I look forward to that. And I, what, yeah. like, what, what would you encourage listeners to, uh, like, I mean, obviously, I think that would be a good, a good uh, education in November. You said November 1st, I believe, right? November 15th, sorry. 15th. Well, you, oh, yeah. that's my bad. I'm sure you said that. Yeah. I just copied it down wrong. Um, um, yeah, just, just you know, like for the for the casual listener who's going, huh, this, I'm, you know, gosh, I didn't, I didn't really know any of this, but I'm curious, right? <laughs> um, something about this conversation, curiosity has has tapped into my curiosity. Um, you know, is there any anything out there that you think people should be exposed to that might give them a better perspective? You know, maybe someone that doesn't have a personal perspective but is interested in learning more. Yeah, I think totally, totally, because this can be. Um... I, we do we do tours that would introduce people at least at the national level. A lot of our provincials, so depending where you are, uh, the, the our provincials vary in size and kind of the nature of what they do. But a lot of them do tours that introduce you to their work and what's going on in their province and their priorities of the province. So I'd encourage you to look at, and you can find this all through our website. Who your what what your provincial association is. Um, other than that, like if you really want, if people are really like, I want to know about this, um, I, maybe this is a bit too, uh, theoretical, but other than our, our website, like learning about a conclusion in the disability movement, I mean, uh, let's, let's say you really want to know about how do I implement a right in, in my company or like, how do I do this thing? I would say, start like, give them, give the UN convention on the rights of persons with disabilities a read. It's a really progressive, um, uh, excellent uh, document. It's uh, Canada has signed it. Canada has ratified it. That means we have committed um, at the country. The government of Canada has committed to make it happen, make it a reality, despite our federation. Um, and and in and those are the things that we as citizens should be upholding our government to those standards. And so if you're curious about a standard or you're curious about, like, anyways, there's all kinds of oodles of stuff like that. Uh, so uh, if you want to learn about inclusion, go to our website. You can That will take you down the inclusion. But if you really want to know about uh, this human rights framework and what Canada has committed to and what we're pushing in our day-to-day work, check that out. Uh, just a quick Google search will we'll bring it up for you. I'll stop, I'll stop there for, 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 for <laughs> too, give too many things. Very helpful. 
Well, I, I, this has been a joy uh, meeting you. Like, I love your passion for what you do. And, and just the intellectual curiosity is like, um, it's inspiring. It makes me think of like, well, how much do I actually know about this? And how much should I know about this? And maybe I should learn more about that. Well, not maybe I should learn more about this because um, it's important and uh, it can, it can impact any one of us at any point. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in New Brunswick, like, I think you like look into some of the stuff, like it's really, it's really neat what advocates have done here. And it's, we are really privileged to, and I know there's still, there's always a lot of work to be done, but we do have some really precious things that should be protected and that are often under attack from different entities that might not understand. And, and, and anyway, so yeah, I totally follow that curiosity. Let me know if I can help you out anyway. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kurt. And uh, it honestly has been a, a pleasure and a pleasure for me to be able to get to know you more and what it is that you are doing and uh, work that is certainly near and dear to my heart for personal reasons and professional reasons and just the need for it. Thank you for all that you are doing, not just in Fredericton and New Brunswick, but across the entire globe. And at the end of our Boiling Point episodes, we always do, Dave and I, a takeaway of what we're really, what's like what kind of one thing, although sometimes we get a lot of them, uh, that we are, which <laughs> we always get a lot of them, but we try and narrow yeah. it down. One big takeaway. And, you know, right from the beginning of you talking about just the things that New Brunswick is doing and this thing around like celebrating our progress and celebrating those things that have happened. And for you to hear that like New Brunswick was the change maker in that is that like we can hear that, but that like to really then take the time to actually recognize and celebrate that and and recognizing those accomplishments, because that is what inspires us and motivates us to keep going. So taking that time to just say like, yes, we are doing good things because it can be so easy to get bogged down on the negative and maybe all the things that aren't working. So that is my big takeaway from my conversation with you. Yeah. Dave, what do you got? I, you know, I'm I'm going to go back to um, the opportunity we all have when something uh, shifts our worldview and I think I think there's a choice, right? And sometimes the choice is, ah, maybe someone else do something about this, or maybe if I I just pretend I didn't hear it, it'll go away, or you know, all these sorts of things. Or you can do what Kurt did, which is actually I want to I want to make a difference. This is wrong, and I want to right this wrong. And you know, that's a that's a that's a big agenda. That's a tough thing to do, but uh, I just listening to it makes me think. You know, at a minimum, maybe I just ask some more questions and, you know, maybe it doesn't change my whole trajectory of my life, but um, I, I, I really uh, found that uh, insightful and uh, inspiring. So thanks for that, Kurt. Thank you both. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I do feel like there's a lot of people who think some of this stuff is like bailing out the ocean with a spoon, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's like a complex system. You just need to, everybody, sometimes it takes a hundred levers you got to pull down. And, and, and then the machine turns on and change happens. That's always been my philosophy and like figuring out where the levers are and getting other people to help you. You can actually turn the machine on and make change. So anyways, really appreciate this. Very lovely. Thanks for having me. I don't have an outro or, or the smoke machine's we not working. Got right you. Now, we so we, we got know. you covered. I got the, okay, I got the cool. smoke machine. Yep, <laughs> awesome. Emily's got the outro. <laughs> cool. 
Okay. So we are going to list all of Kurt's information and any extras that we discussed, including the information about the event on November 15th in our show notes. And the best place to find that is on our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. We are active on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We put this video version on YouTube and Facebook. And of course, the podcast is available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Kurt, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you on the trails and I'll see you on November 15th for the event. Awesome. Thank you both. Have a great day. Bye. Take care. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. Follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or visit boilingpointpodcast.com for more. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.